You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 21. I went into the bathroom and it was a lot. And I just knew. I was like, I was like, Kelly. And she was like, oh God, what? What? And I was like, I'm in labor. I'm in labor. I know I'm in labor. Like, we gotta go to the hospital. And she just like her face, it was hilarious because she was like, okay, okay. And she grabbed her phone and she texted Sam. <laughs> What did she say? <laughs> More blood. It was like the worst text she could have sent me. Cause like, I think everything was like fine. It was okay. Like yeah. clearly things needed to happen, but she was like, like more blood, get on flight. And that was it. And then like, and then went, never like radio, again. radio silence. I was like, <laughs> what? Hey there, and welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC Childbirth Education and Labor Support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. If you like the show, we'd be so grateful if you'd write a review wherever you're listening to this. You might just get a shout out on social media or on the podcast if you do. For today's and next week's episodes, we have another two-parter for you as Dee and Sam share their two daughters' preemie birth stories. You'll hear these two soulful parents share some pretty incredible details about their two hospital births. In this episode, labor begins prematurely several weeks before the due time and soon after one of the biggest snowstorms New York has seen in many years. I might add, it happens all while Dee's husband, Sam, is having fun down in Austin for South by Southwest with his brother, and he makes it back in the nick of time. Hear how Dee's best friend comes up to visit while Sam's away, thinking they'll get some girl time. But little did they know her girlfriend would be a labor support partner until Sam could get on the next flight to return. Due to the amount of bleeding she had, they ended up admitting her earlier than they normally would. Dee's water breaks right around the time that Sam arrives from the airport and her contractions immediately get much stronger, which leads her to opt for the epidural, which she always assumed she would opt for. Hear how she details the ways in which having a doula made a huge difference in how her labor went, especially in light of having so much back labor due to the baby not quite being in an optimal position. She also describes how quickly the pushing stage went for her, and Sam will give a few of his reflections on being present for the birth. Before we jump into the story, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Birth Matters NYC's childbirth education classes. If you live in the New York City area, the best way to build your confidence and prep for an amazing birth and entry into parenthood, and to connect with other expectant parents to build your very important support system, is to attend group childbirth education classes. You'll spend quality time with your labor support partner in our comfy Astoria living room classroom as you prepare for not only birth, but also for your best possible postpartum recovery and wellness, as well as early parenting, with classes on breastfeeding and newborn care techniques. Classes often book up about one to two months in advance, so be sure to grab your spot on the early side. For more information and to sign up, visit birthmattersnyc.com. Okay, without further ado, let's jump in. 
Welcome to the Birth Matters Podcast. Today I have two Birth Matters alumni from going on almost three years ago, right guys? Yeah. I have Dee and Sam with me today. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having us. Why don't you share um, maybe what you do for a living and then also share how, uh, where you are in your parenting journey, how old your two little ones are? Sure. Go ahead. Um, I am a line producer for Viacom, uh, and I specifically oversee uh, production for MTV and Logo. For those who don't know, a line producer uh, is a production, uh, basically a project manager of sorts, and I so I manage the budgets and oversee sort of like the A to Z production of um, digital content for, uh, like I said, for Viacom, MTV, and Logo, and the also works at Viacom. We met at MTV News. Yes, we did. We years worked, ago. Yeah, I was his superior um, at MTV News, and we were really good friends, and we would hang out all the time, and I felt like he was like, you know, like my buddy, but he was five years younger, so I was like, well, I mean, it will never work, and, you know, lo and behold, here we are, um, but we... <laughs> We, we um, I do work at uh, Viacom as well, but in a different division. Uh, we sort of split off uh, in like 2010. I moved into the special events to, uh, division of Viacom. So I handle all the events, large and small, for Viacom, including Paramount and Nickelodeon and MTV and VH1 and Comedy Central and all the other properties underneath. Last week, I did a 12-person board dinner. And then in two weeks, I'll be doing a 3,000-person holiday party. So it just sort of runs the gamut. But yes, very interesting when you're a parent <laughs> doing these kinds of things. So Indeed. Wow. Yeah, I loved hearing when we went to Lincoln Center to the Metropolitan uh, no, we didn't go to the opera. We went to the ballet, but I think you said you had just done a, an event there. Yes. And I love seeing some of the pictures of the different events you yes. do. It's really, really fancy. <laughs> yes. And, and it makes for a lot of really interesting um, pumping stories, places that I've pumped. Um, definitely I've pumped in like Drake's private bathroom and, ah, like, what? and, and just um, a lot of different uh, restaurants and, and, you know, little closets and different um, venues. So, you know, by any means necessary, I made sure to, to pump. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting. <laughs> cool. And so where are you in your parenting journey? So we have a two and a half year old, right? Emma is two and a half. Um, and Luna is our newest. And she is just a little over six months old. And so we are in the thick of it in our parenting journey. In the thick of uh, toddler, the challenges and blessings of, child, of toddlerhood. Uh, every day is a new day, as I'm sure anyone who has a two-year-old listening to this knows. Um, every and, hour is a new hour. How yeah, about that? Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yes. Um, and, um, and then, you know, just redoing the, doing the whole newborn thing over again was an interesting journey as well. Um, definitely, you think like, oh, we got this. I remember thinking before the second one was born, like, bring it on. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. And we just got like, just really floored, I think, in the beginning, but like being like, oh, wow, this is really challenging. And like, even if you know the motions to go through, like, the, our kids were very different. Um, and which was also another thing that I thought I had figured out, like, oh, you know, the, 
they don't have, they don't really have personalities this young or they don't, you know, like they're, it's, it's really everything that we're putting into it, we're shaping their reality. And that just totally wasn't the case. Like we can certainly guide and like set like great habits and, and schedules and things like that. But like our, our children were very different in their early months. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. But we're in a great place now. You know, like I said, I think the biggest challenge is having a toddler, but um, <laughs> now Luna's the smiley, uh, innocent bystander who just sort of hangs out and has a good time. And, and Emma is just, you know, every day is a new day, like I said. So. Yeah. And as I was telling you before we started the podcast is that um, I'm, I've always been pretty organized and a really good, you know, list taker and kind of get things done. And, um, you know, it's been now almost three years that I've had written down to write down Emma's birth story because, I mean, because I'm going to forget. And, um, and then when Luna was born, it was like, okay, well, this time I'm going to get on top of it. I'm going to write it down. And here we are. Um, not, not having written it down, but being able to talk to you about it is also a real blessing and sort of, um, you know, not coincidental. It's just perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I don't know if you want to lead into your birth story with any of your pregnancy journey or um, your decision to take birth classes. What, what, what was that like? And how did you find classes? And I don't know, yeah, what kind I mean, of things did you do to equip yourself for birth? So um, for Emma, uh, the pregnancy overall was pretty, pretty good. Um, I, I was a little bit nauseous and I had this, um, had a lot of funny stories going into um, the final months of that pregnancy. But one of the things that has ushered us into parenthood and has been so comforting is this community that not only in Astoria, but just, you know, in this, in this life, you know, you are a parent to be and people who are parents embrace you and give you advice and, you know, everyone sort of networks. And so Mm -hmm. that's exactly what happened. Um, A dear friend of mine, Chelsea, um, who lives in Astoria said that she had taken a great birth class and that I needed to take it with this Lisa Taylor and um, she's great and she runs it out of her home. And so we thought, well, that sounds great to us. And it was over a weekend, which was worked with our schedules because our days can be really long and we travel. And so um, we signed up and it was, it was really interesting. You know, uh, we got to go to your house and be able to sit with, you know, I think it was like five or six other couples, one of which AJ and Kate, who we are really, really close with now. And the, the birthing class was really interesting. I know that Sam was, you know, a participant and really wanted to, you know, take it very seriously because he, you know, was planning on his, has planned on <laughs> <laughs> as I, just as, see where you're going I know, I don't know. Um, but I just feel like he really <laughs> was excited about it. <laughs> Were you excited about it? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, and Sam, you have, you have stayed in my memory as one of the most reflective, soulful, both of you as a couple, actually, people. You were inquisitive. You were so thoughtful and soulful in your questions. And I just loved that because I felt like you were entering into this experience in a more, well, again, to not over, I'm overusing the word thoughtful, but that's just the best word that keeps coming to me. Just in a very, I don't want to say cautious or careful, but in a reflective way that's important, I think, I guess, acknowledging that this is a momentous, huge experience in your life, you know, and, and so many people don't 
get that, don't realize that, I think, and just kind of are like, okay, it's a checklist of like, I got to do the birth class, I got to do this, and, but, you know, to kind of rush through things without really thinking about it. So I, I so appreciated that about both of you. Just yeah, wanted to- yeah, I appreciate that. No, I, I don't really see any other, like, I so, um, it's just such a part of me to, like, I do, like, sort of overanalyze a lot of stuff, and, like, I am, like, deeply self-reflective, for sure, and I think because of that, like, I feel, I like, I have to be such a participant in so many things, you know, that I do in my life. I, I think I'm just, I'm not really, like, a halfway in kind of guy, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I can't imagine going into, this certainly isn't, I mean, everyone has their own journey and everyone makes it work how they want to. So, so I, I would say just as like a blanket statement, as we talk through this, like nothing that we say is judgmental towards anyone else's journey, but, but I can't imagine going into it without the education that we received, whether it was from you or books or, um, friends and family. Like I just, um, if you're just winging it, like that seems so terrifying to me. You know, yeah. and again, people make that work, but like, I remember my sister, um, I can, I was sort of, I mean, this is a little contradictory to what I just said, but I was, I wasn't reading the books. I wasn't on top of the books and stuff that my sister was sending us. And my sister is three years older. She lives in Arizona. She has two kids who are 10 and seven, 10 and seven. And they're just like every single stage of their upbringing. I've, is, is just, I've been so, um, admire, I like, I admire my sister and brother-in-law and how they've done everything because the kids, they were good sleepers and then they were well-behaved toddlers and now they're just super respectable 10 and seven year olds. And so we were constantly looking to my sister, Katie for advice and, and Jeff, and she was like, you know, Sam, like, did you read the book yet? Did you read? And this for, in this particular instance, it was like, happiest baby on the block or something. So, which was like a huge tool for us in the first um, few months. And she, I just like, I'll never forget. She texted me and she said, one of the most terrifying moments, maybe, maybe terrifying seems like a, a strong word for it, but like, it can be a really scary feeling to come home from the hospital and, and just be there with that baby and not know what's next. Like what's the next step? And even if it's as simple as like how, how to swaddle, how to get the baby to calm down. And she's like, not like knowledge is power, like empower yourself right now by reading the book here. I'll make it easy for you. Here's the pages. Like here's the cliff notes of what you need to read. So it wasn't such like a daunting task, but that I just always pass that advice on because it, it can feel like how isolating, you know, to come home, you have, you're at the hospital you have all the support in the world, the, the, the nursing staff and everyone is there to like field every single question that you have and to help you physically do so many different things. And then you leave and you're, and you're heat and you're, yeah. it's just, it can feel like you're living in total isolation from the world, just even for brief moments in time. But like the more you knowledge you can gather um, and the more you can educate yourself, it's just, uh, it's deeply empowering.
For sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, through the class, I mean, I remember I learned so much stuff that I had never heard of before, delayed cord clamping and, um, you know, asking for the Foley balloon and all these things that I had no idea. Um, just a lot of the videos that we saw. I mean, those were the first times that I had watched a birth, you know, I didn't, I, and so the class was really the first time and it was probably about it ended up being about three weeks before she was born because she came three weeks early, but it was the first time that we really got into a deeper dialogue about how we were going to go into this together. Um, and one thing that's really poignant that I want to say, um, and this is mostly directed towards spouses or it doesn't necessarily have to be just the men, but any spouse that, that doesn't feel ready. I remember it was the, one of the first few days that, of Emma's uh, uh, when we were home with her. And it was the middle of the night and Sam would always get up every single solitary time I was nursing. He would get up, he'd change the diaper, give me the baby and then take the baby and put her down and swaddle her and rock her and do all of those things. And we would always chat um, while I was nursing. And, and he's like, you know, he's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And, and, and neither do you. Cause I didn't, I didn't know either. And it's like, besides nursing her, there's nothing that I can't do with this baby, you know, there's nothing that I can't learn that you're learning that we're, we can't do together. So I think there's this misconception that men can't do, you know, they don't, they're helpless during the newborn stage. And that's not true. It's like, besides giving your breast for that milk, there's a lot that you can do. And most of the time you're learning together. You know, I didn't grow up with babies or kids. And so I had no idea how to change a diaper. And I learned in your class, I didn't know how to swaddle. I learned in your class. I didn't, you know, all these things that we were kind of on this journey together was also empowering to know that it's not just the woman's place to know all these things. We're on the journey together and we helped each other out in that way. So anyway. I, I mean, it's certainly like, there's a lot of like, gender stereotypes attached to this and like uh societal sort of norms that we've set for ourselves that i think there's obviously like as a mother you have there's inherent yes biological mother, biological like, instinct instincts but one thing that i'm always floored by that i've heard like way too often from guys is like well there's nothing i can do like there's i can't if their wife is nursing, that it's like their the baby's entire existence is essentially broken down for in their head into like if the baby is only on the breast or like doing something else with the mother, like I don't understand, you know what I mean? Because it's it's also just like an insane commitment and amount of work to breastfeed and like to be like I don't I don't know I just I think that that's a, such a silly statement. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. that's great advice. I, and, and it's a reason why in class I say, my recommendation for you is that you talk as a couple about how you're going to divvy up the responsibilities and women who are breastfeeding are responsible for the input partners. You're responsible for the output, yeah. uh, meaning like everything else that's not breastfeeding, at least in the early weeks, that's the recommendation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you're absolutely right, Sam. There is so much that partners can help with yeah. and it's a great opportunity to bond with your baby too, right? Absolutely. Cause the, I think that if there's a snowball yes. effect that happens where the, the more you're not doing that bonding, the, again, it goes back to just edu educating yourself. And like the, the less time you spend with that baby, aside from not forming just like a natural bond with them, you're not practicing. Right. So the, so like what happens down the road from that is that, you know, if D, if I weren't participating and then like D would be reluctant to 
like leave and go on a weekend vacation or do these things because then she thinks, well, Sam doesn't know what's going on with the kids. Like if you're not staying up on top of this stuff, then that's a valid concern. Yes. You know, and we've been talking a lot, like that stuff becomes so important later. Like our most recent struggles have been like really trying to find time. Like we've been feeling so sort of overwhelmed and just like trapped in this apartment, (laughs) you know, like it's just like New York living and not having a backyard to go into. And, you know, some of those things may just be fantasy. Like if we had them, would it really change things? Or are they just in like the throes of parenthood? I don't know, but it's, uh, if we weren't going through it together, I just like, I have no idea where our relationship would be because there's, it's really hard work. We, we talk about this all the time. We're constantly in communication about it. It's not that it's the work is hard. It's just relentless. It's relentless work and it doesn't end. And tomorrow is a new day and you're going to do it all over again. And if we weren't together, I just don't know how, I, I don't know how we would be feeling about one another. That's all. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And just to, just to finish my thought, um, Sorry. we've been talking about how important it is for not only for us to find time to do things just with each other as a couple, but also to find time for the other to get out, to go on, like I said, what is like a, a weekend vacation to, to just disappear for a little bit because it's, it's super healthy. And again, you can't, if you're not doing it as a team, you're both not really like working on the same level, you can't feel empowered to leave the other person because if they're not sort of on the same level as you, then if you're off, taking a weekend vacation and you don't trust that I'm doing well with the kids, you're not relaxing. You yeah. know what I mean? No, you're not stressing. Not. So no, and you're not. resenting. Yeah. <laughs> totally. exactly. As well. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think all that, all that stuff is really important. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So going to the birth stories, going in and into So we had taken your class. I think it was, yeah, about three weeks before I ended up going into labor, which was extremely unexpected. So I remember I was um, a little, I think I was 36 weeks and Sam had a trip to Austin, Texas for South by Southwest Music Festival. Um, He was going for work, but was staying for the rest of the week because his brother lives there. And it was like sort of a tradition that him and his brother go and, you know, just be at the festival. And so we, we had sort of made an agreement that we would check with the doctor before he left to see how I was progressing, if at all, and if it was safe enough for him to leave. And it was a Friday and we went into the doctor and she checked and she was like, you know, you can go, you should go. And he was supposed to leave on, you were were supposed to leave. She actually said, there's not, you're not having the baby. You're not having the baby anytime. Like what you say, you're going to go full term. You're going to go full term. I I, I think you're going to go full term. So Sam, you're good to go. Yeah. And he was supposed to leave on like a Monday or a Tuesday, but there was a huge snowstorm coming into New York. So he ended up leaving like Sunday night or something like that. I can't quite remember the day, but regardless, there was a huge snowstorm. Um, and I remember going into, I went into work on a Monday and left early because the snowstorm was coming and, you know, projecting like, you know, tons of snow. And I came home and I was like prepared to be in here for a few days. And it snowed and work was closed for three days. And I was in here by myself for three days, me and my baby Emma in my belly. (laughs) And I now looking back on it, realize what an incredible 
moment in time that was for me because it was the last time I was ever going to be without a child. Um, and I remember being in here and I was putting together her, her room. And I remember I had, this is so random. I had these cassette tapes that my mother had given me and she was like, do you want these? What are these? Like, I, and, and I had them here and I had this, I borrowed like a cassette player because I was like, I'm just going to listen to these and then throw them away. And it ended up being all these like tapes from college and like high school and stuff. And I went through this whole emotional journey of like my life and like remembering whenever I was a teenager in college and moved to New York and all these things. And I was crying and I just remember thinking like, how's my life going to change? Anyway, the point being is that I'm snowed into this apartment. My mother kept asking me like, you know, what, what's going to happen if you go into labor? And I thought I'm not going into labor because I just was at the doctor's. Um, so that was the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Friday, I had a doctor's appointment. So I went, I like shuffled my way in and I, um, in the snow, in the snow and Sam was still gone. And that's the snowstorm where we got like two and a half feet or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, like was the crazy. biggest. I, I couldn't believe that I made it out. I was like desperate to like get. I'm like trying to figure out the flights and everything. I just remember just, it was just the snow was coming. So down. much. Like, it was. It was a big. Was yeah, a big for sure. It was a. It was. It was nuts. Um, and so one of my childhood friends who I've grown up with since I was five, and she's been through everything with me. She is my sister, just the closest person to me, really. And she that week had said to me, "You know what? I have 36 hours." I'm going to drive up there. She has a, a son. She lives in Pittsburgh. I'm from Pittsburgh. And she said, you know, I'm going to drive up there. I, you know, we've been friends for 30 plus years. I need to see you pregnant. Like I'm coming up there for 36 hours, driving up Friday night and I'm leaving Sunday morning at 6am. And I, you know, was super excited because Sam was away and we were going to have a long time together. And we we're going to do all these things that we used to do when we were growing up. And like, she was going to help me organize Emma's closet. So I went to the doctors at, that Friday in the snow. Uh, they checked me and I, I said to them, I was like, I'm not having a baby this weekend. Right. And she goes, no, no, no. Just like I said, I, you're going full term. I, I really do think so. She's like, you're not nothing, nothing's going on. So Friday night, my friend Kelly comes and we make plans for the whole weekend that Saturday, what we're going to do, you know, we're going to, you know, organize the closet and we're going to, I don't know, all these girly things that we were going to do. And Sam's at South by Southwest, his work, like his shoot is done and he's just parting his face off, <laughs> which is apropos for the story because Saturday, um, we start going through the closet and Kelly, Kelly's her name and Kelly was opened everything up and she's like, oh my gosh, like, DM, you packed your hospital bag yet? And I said, no, I said, Lisa said I should, we should pack at least like three weeks or four weeks before just in case, but I haven't done it yet. I said, so, you know, take these things out and just put them over there in a pile because I'll just, I'll pack later whenever you leave. So we started going through stuff and I wasn't feeling well. I just like, wasn't feeling like myself. And throughout the whole pregnancy, I had a lot of energy and, you know, I felt pretty good. So that day I just was like, I think I'm coming down with something. I just don't feel well. I'm going to lay on the couch here while you go through the closet. So we had started, you know, she had started taking everything out, putting piles all, all around the apartment. There was laundry happening. I mean, everything was kind of taken apart. And I remember thinking like, I think I feel a little bit crampy. You know, I feel a little bit crampy. And I went to the bathroom 
and there was blood. And I thought, what's interesting, Lisa, is because I did not get scared at all. I wasn't scared at all because I remember learning about the mucus plug and I remember learning about the bloody show and all of that stuff. So I felt empowered in that moment. And I didn't know until months later that Kelly was terrified because she had no idea that blood was a part of this process. So I just was like, oh, I'm bleeding a little bit. You know, there's something's going on. So I texted both my OB and my doula and they both said that there was nothing to worry about, that it was probably my uterus just, you know, getting ready for birth or shifting or something of the sort. And I just was like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't feel right. You know? And Kelly, before this even happened that night, Friday night, when she arrived, she said to me, she's like, D, we have been through so much together. Do not go into labor this weekend. You better not go into labor while I'm here. Like, I'm going to die. I have to leave Sunday morning. Like, you can't go into labor. And I was like, I'm not going into labor. Like, it's not happening. So then I went to the bathroom and it, there was, there was more blood. And I called Sam and I was like, so, and he's at, in line at like waiting to get into a club of, or some we show. Concert, yeah. yeah, he was going to a concert. And I was like, when does your flight get in? And this is like Saturday, like early afternoon. And he's, you know, said the, the next day um, at night, Sunday night. And I was like, well, I was like, I think you should look at other flights because I, I think I'm, I might be in labor. And like at this point, like what was your, like his. She, I mean, she was like, yeah, she's like, just check out the options, like, just so we know. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm not feeling well. And I was just thinking, like, there's no way. I mean, of course I'm going to look into this, but, like, just, there's no, there's no way that this is happening. The doctor said it's not happening, right? The doctor said. <laughs> the doctor said we're fine. So I, call, I called the airline, and they were like, we can, you know, we can get you out. Like, basically, I would have had to leave right then it's like my I, all my stuff was at my brother's house which was like a 30 minute journey to get to his house and then would have to pack that up and get to the airport there was like a flight that i could take i would i would have had to leave right then and go straight to the airport it wasn't even possible for me to make the next flight and then i think like the the later flight was sold out and then they were like otherwise we can get you out at like 6 a.m so i call her back and give her the news and then <laughs> so so at this point kelly is corresponding with with the Sam and I, I go to the Cause company. I'm like, Kelly, what's the deal? Like how serious is this? And she was like being a little, I, I, at the time, at the time I was like, still just, I think I was in denial and I was just like, she's being so dramatic about this. She's like, I don't know, Sam, like, I really think you should get on a flight. And I'm like, I'm not going to go through the motions of this. Like I'm about to see Lil Wayne. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't go through the, oh, the truth you know, comes out. <laughs> The truth comes out in a podcast. We were live for two hours. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So Kelly, Kelly was texting with him. And then I realized, like, I went into the bathroom and it was a lot. And I just knew. I was like, I was like, Kelly. And she was like, oh God, what? What? And I was like, I'm in labor. I'm in labor. I know I'm in labor. Like, we got to go to the hospital. And she just, like, her face, it was hilarious because she was like, Okay. Okay. And she grabbed, she, she grabbed her phone and she texted Sam. <laughs> What'd she say? <laughs> More blood. It was like the worst text she could have sent me. Cause like, I think everything was like fine. It was okay. Like yeah. clearly things needed to happen, but she was like, it was like, uh, like more blood get on flight. 
and that was it. And then like, and then never like radio, responded again. radio silence. I was like, <laughs> what? Oh no. Great way to make you freak out. <laughs> oh my God. It was insane. So, so I had to go to the hospital and I was, because I was so prepared, I had this little running list of things to bring to the, to the, um, in my hospital bag. And I was not going to like stray from my list. So I was having contractions and Kelly was timing them, but I was dead set on putting my bag together. So I was like, I'm going to get in the shower. I'm going to put my tweezers and my socks and my, my iPod and like this whole long list. And Kelly is just staring at me and she's, like, Dee, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm putting together my hospital bag. And I became like very, very calm. Like, like I think I was a little bit in shock because I just was so freaked out that A, the apartment was in shambles and then I was about That's, to- This is a classic thing for yes. me to be freaked out about, that the apartment is in shambles. Like- well, see, yeah, exactly. You live <laughs> in a New York City apartment, it's only so big. So if there are piles of clothes everywhere. I, and so I just kept saying to Kelly, I was like, you need to clean up. Like if I'm leaving, coming home with a baby, this place needs to be clean. So we, we, she was just like, what? Like, are you crazy? So I just was putting together my hospital bag, which by the way, let's just skip ahead for one second. The only two things, the only two things out of all the things I packed and all the things I had on my list that I used were my water bottle with the flip top, which you said to bring. Because if we were going to be on all fours or we were going to be in different positions, you could drink your water in any position. And number two was an old-fashioned hot water bottle. And those are the only two things that we used the entire time. What about the I, – I have an email. You said an exercise ball too. Oh, yes. The doula brought that. So <laughs> she brought that. Yes. I thought maybe you didn't bring that. Maybe the yeah. hospital had it or maybe your doula had it. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. Uh, you also said aquaphor for your oh, – that was the fourth thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> That's awful. really important. So I just wanted to be be sure to hold you to that and point yes, that out. Totally. It was just, <laughs> I mean, the hot water bottle thing was a very last minute um, ad because you said it was a, a, a good way to keep the hot water or keep the pad hot, right? With tea water from the coffee machine. So that, and that ended up being great because once we got to the hospital, I labored a lot and the doula came right away. I was admitted because I was progressing. She, she came right away. She came right away. Once I, w- I went into triage, I remember sitting there and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like Sam isn't here. Like, how is this happening to me? And, you know, honestly, more than anyone else in my entire life, if there was one person I would want to be there, it would be Kelly. And so for her to have been there for those 36 hours and for that to have happened, I just, that's no coincidence. Like she was meant to be there for those moments. And I remember when they said to me that they were going to admit me, I started sobbing and she just grabbed my hands and she's like, let's say a prayer. Let's say a prayer right now. Let's just say a prayer. She's like, we're going to do this together. Like you, you don't have to worry. Like you're in the best place. And I just then immediately said, take my phone. You need to text all these people. Because it was like, I had appointments the next week. I had, it was my last week in the office. I was supposed to do all these things. And And so she was just like, text people. I'm like, yes, you need to cancel my eyebrow appointment. You need to cancel this appointment. You need to tell my boss. You need to, I mean, it was just like, you know. Why did they decide to admit you? Because I was bleeding and I had progressed from one centimeter to two centimeters within like an hour. So they saw that there was progression happening and I was bleeding. And you were 
you had the, what the GBS TV. positive. Yeah, so they wanted to get you on That's MRI. right. That's right. Exactly. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, so they gave me penicillin right away. But your um, water hadn't broken yet, or it had? No, my water had not broken yet. So when we, so when they brought us up to the labor and delivery room, that's when Erica came. Erica, um, St. Lawrence, my doula or doula, who was the best. Um, anyway, she brought the exercise ball. She brought all her little goodies. I got admitted around eight o'clock at night, Saturday night. And by Sunday morning, my OB, Dr. Zork, happened to be on a 24-hour call starting that day at 6 a.m. So she comes in. And really, the, and I, I adore her. She, she came in and she immediately was like, why are you hooked up to all these things? Like, get them off of her. Like, she just looked at the nurse and said, like, get, she's had three bags of penicillin. She doesn't need any more. Like, get this stuff off her. Let her walk around. Like, you know. And she even said to me, she's like, you can go home if you want. But I was terrified. I was like, I'm not with Sam. I'm far, far away from my house. The snow is still like heavily. Yes. So I was just like, there's no way I'm leaving. Like, I just don't feel comfortable like leaving this, this hospital right now. So, but I did walk around and Erica and I, you know, did all of the, all of the things. We had the hot water bottle because I had back labor um, because she was sunny side up, which means that she was facing, she was facing up, uh, meaning that I had really bad back labor. and. We were on the exercise ball. We were doing all of the things. And I Can know- Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How, what made you decide to go to the hospital? Like, what was the moment that you were like, I need to go to the hospital right now? Because I did had- Did Erica tell you to go? No, Dr. Zork did. Oh. Because I had, it was like a lot of chunky blood had come out. So I, when I was here. So okay. she, I think was like, we need to make sure that you're okay. Like you Got should it. go to the doctor okay. and just go get checked. Okay. And she even said, she's like, you might not be in labor. It might just be, you know, from your cervix or whatever, but it was a lot. Got it. Okay. Sorry if you're already. No, that's okay. Cause this is our story. Yeah. Anyway. So, so I remember walking around and going through the contractions and, and they were really intense and I, but like, I felt like they were, I want to say manageable. It's not really the right word, but it, they were, they were, they were manageable. I was walking up and down the hall. Sam at this point had landed at like, it was probably around noon on Sunday. Did you see Kelly when you arrived? Yeah. yeah she okay. was, she had to leave. Like, I mean, at this point she had to go back and she's like a teacher and had to like take care of her child. Yeah. And so it was like the second I walked in, it was like high five. She was out. Yeah. But at this <laughs> moment, so it was like probably right when he was pulling up in the cab, my water broke. And so the bit, the the funniest thing about the water breaking was that even though I learned, we talked about this in birth class about the different ways that your water, how it can sort of manifest once it breaks is there was just so much of it and it was just coming and coming and coming and it would not stop. And it was just, there were towels and towels and towels of water, <laughs> just, so, just soaking up all the water. And I remember I think at the same time that I felt the first contraction once my water had broken, Sam walked in the door. And that contraction was, those contractions were next level. I mean, those were the ones where I was like, oh, this is what people are talking about. It this. seemed a little bit serendipitous that like the second I walked in, you're like, things went like through the roof. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the partner presence, yeah. that oxytocin. It'll make those contractions more effective. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Totally. Wild. And I remember he walked in with this, 
he had, you know, his luggage, he came straight from the, from the airport. So he put all that down, Her, him and Kelly kind of high-fived and, you know, she left and he took over and, you know, I wanted to go as long as I possibly could without getting an epidural. I never thought that I was the kind of person that could not have an epidural. I, I just always thought that I was not, I just, I couldn't do it. I, I, even if I wanted to, I didn't think I could. And so I, when those contractions started, Erica, our doula said, you know, listen, you, you know, she's setting side up. These contractions are going to be way more intense than any other regular contractions. If you want to get an epidural, it's okay. Like you, you tell me, don't let them, you know, sort of pressure you because the first thing that the nurses do, do you want an epidural? Do you want an epidural? Do you need an epidural? I remember Sam, (laughs) the nurses and the doctors were looking at him like he, they were just like sort of looking at him little cross-eyed because Sam was like, I think you can do another, I think you can do another contraction. Let's just wait until after this contraction for the epidural. Like, like, let's just, you can do it. And and it seemed as though he was sort of pressuring me, but he was doing exactly what I'd asked him to do, which was to help me get as far as I possibly could without an epidural. And so he was just like, you could, you could do one more. You can do one more. And I was like, I can't do one more. I can't do one more. And then like, finally, well, what I love, sorry, go, <laughs> go, ahead. No, go ahead. What I, what I like being able to see is the monitor of the, like the mountains and of the contractions coming and going, because it's helpful to coach somebody through it to say like, you've basically, it's like you sprinted to the top of the hill. All you have to do is walk down it. Like you can do it. Right. And then we kept like saying stuff like that. It's like, you're done. You're done. Like you're good. And then she'd be like, no, 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 I'm not good. Okay, okay, okay. And then like we'd get down and then like it would start again and we would just like go, 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 go. You're almost at the top of the hill. Okay. All right. All you have to do is walk down. Like, and I know that for me, like, <laughs> like to be able to be like, oh, it's just so simple. Just get to the top. But I do think that it helps to like see it. So you can say yeah. like, you're like, you've made it through that. Can you do one more? Just one more, you know? And then if yeah. you just keep approaching it as like one at a time, you can get through. <laughs> And then when did you know it was was time for me to get a girl? It's, she was just going, she was, she's like, she kept going, mama, mama. I don't know if you said this. No, I did. She kept her thing. She kept going, mama, 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 mommy, mommy. (laughs) And Erica, our doula was like, wow, that's a new one. I don't think I've ever heard that one. I was like, mama mia, mama mia. Oh yeah, mama mama, mia. Mommy, mama. And I just like, at that point it was like, and, and Erica, like, I know she was, she was definitely trying to like give me perspective. She's like, listen, she's like, I don't think I've had one client that's had a sunny side up baby and not had an epidural. Like it's okay. You know, just to sort of like tell me like, it's okay. Like you're in an incredible amount of pain. Like it's okay. You know, it's, it's still like you're going through it. Um, so I did get the epidural. I got like as, as light as it possibly could go. I was able to get up on all fours because she was again, sunny side up. Um, so we were trying to turn her and Dr. Zork was trying to turn her and oh man, it was just like, it was a little bit nuts. And then, you know, can I ask you a quick question? Yes. How did you know that the baby was posterior? They, I guess checked me. How would they find that out? I actually don't remember. I don't know. Well, usually they don't check that. They just are looking for a head down baby in triage. And so I always recommend that people ask, like, can you tell is the baby anterior or posterior? But usually they don't 
without a special request notice that. So I, yeah, I was just curious mm -hmm. and also curious if your doula or anybody suggested any kind of positional techniques to encourage her to rotate. We did go up on all fours. Um, and oh yeah, you just did, said that, right? Yeah, we were doing some things. Some I don't remember movements. what, but I, I remember like there were a, a number of things that both the doctor and uh, and the doula were suggesting. That I don't remember exactly what they were, but I don't either. I think at that point, like I had been up for a while. I had been laboring for yeah, like thirty some hours at that point. And then I remember doctors were going in and trying to rotate her, but. Yeah, I think that before, I, I truly don't remember how, how we knew. I, I truly don't. And with being on all fours with an epidural, usually that's not something that most nurses or OBs would permit just due to safety concerns. Mm -hmm. Did, was there, with your doula and you, was it sort of better to ask forgiveness than permission and we were just going to do this and then if they have a problem with it? Or what was that like? It, my do Dr. Zork, who I feel like was, is more progressive than the, <laughs> the average doctor was really the one that was there to sort of watch that happen. You um, have the epidural at that point? Yes. Okay. I, I, I'm pretty sure. If that's like something that yes. never happens, yes. and I don't want to like say that she did that. If it's not I that it never it. happens. It's just not as common. No, I did yeah. it because, and well, I'm almost 100% because I remember thinking like, this is great. Like I'm able to get up on all fours with this epidural. It sounds um, like you said it was light enough that you were still able to feel your legs. Yes. So, and I remember, yes, I'm a hundred percent sure because I remember Erica like helping me onto like all fours, but yes, a lot of things, not just, it wasn't that, but with Erica, there were a lot of things we said sort of just do and ask for forgiveness later. Number one was the eating and drinking both pregnancies. We, I ate and I drank because I was laboring and I needed the energy and we did it anyway. And that Good was, for you. you know, something that we definitely, you know, just did, but you know, so when it came time to push, I remember, oh, so I remember they were, they moved the monitor. They kept uh, losing her heartbeat. So they put, they put the monitor inside, I think on her head. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So, the fetal scalp electrode. Yes, that's what they were doing. And then that was falling out. It was just like, oh God, I just wanted to like have the baby and be done. Um, and I remember, you know, they were like, okay, you know, we're going to get ready to push. And Erica said to me, she's like, listen, she's like, you may be pushing for a little while. You know, sometimes when people get epidurals, they can't really feel, or, you know, I take a little bit and she's like, you know, just kind of sort of prepped us, you know, Sorry, I'm, I, I have to stop for a second and talk about Erica at Doula, who, you know, we were very, I wasn't, but Sam was apprehensive about getting a Doula because he didn't want to create an us versus them scenario in the hospital. He really wanted a collaborative team that was working together and, and in unison. Um, and we found a Doula that worked for us. And Erica came highly recommended by Chelsea as well. And um, Erica used to be a pediatric nurse. So we felt like, and after meeting with her, we felt like we had a team. She wasn't going to create a situation where we felt like we were fighting the hospital, but also was in a position to remind us of what we wanted our goals to be. And, you know, would make suggestions about like, 
did you remember, did you want to do this? You know, A, B, C, and D. She was just, mostly she was a, a huge support to Sam to be able to tag team with him and to be able to educate him or tell him that, you know, this was about to happen to me, to be able to say to me, like, you know, when the baby comes out, she might, she's going to have a cone head because she's been sitting in your you know, in your uterus or in your pelvic floor for so long, like, don't worry. She just was such a wonderful support. I mean, she completed our team. Um, so I just can't say enough about her, but anyway, so we got ready to push and, and literally in one push, it was apparent that I like the baby was going to come because Dr. Zork was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Here we go. And in three pushes, I had her out and it was like, amazing to oh this is hilarious so the there was a mirror and the doctor immediately before I started pushing was like do you want the mirror do you want to see and at first I was you know I said no I, I don't want to see and then I said you know what this is the once in a lifetime chance let's just bring the mirror over let me just look so and I remember like looking down and seeing Emma's head the top of her head and I pushed once and her whole head came out and I just was sort of staring at it. And then I realized like what I was looking at and I started to freak out and I was like, get the, get the mirror away, get the mirror away. And so Sam and, and the nurses thought I wanted it closer. So they moved the mirror closer and Sam just kind of leapt out and pushed the whole mirror away out of like my sight. Um, and then I ended up pushing the rest of her out, but it was, um, I felt so grateful that I didn't have a long pushing session because I know that that has happened for a lot of people that they weren't ready and they were asked to push. And, you know, I, I just, so, you know, she came right out. She had definitely had a cone head. Um, one was like, she did rotate. She rotated the last minute. Yes. Oh, awesome. Great. Because yes. yeah, because the pushing stage can be longer if the baby is in posterior position. So when you said it was so short, I thought, oh, I bet maybe she rotated. <laughs> yes. Yes, she did. She did. And then, um, and then she, you know, Erica helped a lot with the breastfeeding. She immediately went on to my chest. They delayed the cord clamping until Dr. Zork let that thing run all the way out. And, um, and Sam was really in charge of like making sure that that happened. But Dr. Zirk was great about it. She just, I mean, it just kept going until it was completely done. And Erica was there to kind of help the nursing session, um, which was just, you know, like this brand new baby that's out of my body is on my chest and now suckling on my breasts. Like, how is that possible? And just like that moment, it just, it was incredible. And so, you know, Emma ended up being three weeks exactly uh, early, um, but she was, she was ready. Like she wasn't in the NICU. She didn't need any kind of intervention. She was perfectly healthy and like ready. And I remember here's another thing too, that, that we learned in your class was about not bathing right away and letting the vernix, right? The vernix just kind of lay on their skin and be, you know, on them that they didn't need to be bathed. And so I remember they were taking Emma and Erica goes, um, Sam, D, did you want, uh, Emma to have a bath? And we were like, Oh no, 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 we don't. We don't. And the looks of the nurses, you know, kind of like, uh, they don't, they don't want the baby to have a bath. No, they don't want the baby to have a bath. No. And then they would call down, they called down to the nursery. Yes. Well, we're sending Emma. 
Emma Rose Hendrick down. They don't, the parents don't want her to have that. So, and it was just hilarious because it was just the sort of subtle judgment. But you know what was amazing about it is that we got to learn how to bathe her. Well, I think that either you said that, you may have told us that in the class. She did. Or, yeah, that it's like, it's a good tool to say like, we want to do it first so we can learn because it also like helps it not feel so awkward, but it's great because you do learn. Yeah. To do mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So that's great. <laughs> and, that. and you didn't get pressure sometimes when women are GBS positive, even if they've gotten the antibiotics, there's some additional pressure to do the bath, but you didn't feel like no. you got that? No. I didn't even know that. No. Mm -mm. No, no just, just, just judgy looks. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, why <laughs> on earth would you not want that? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Totally. But it was great. And then once we got to, you know, then we obviously got to learn how to bathe her whenever the nurse did it a couple days later. But you know, that was something that we, we definitely learned and you're going to see Luna now, but that, you know, that experience was so incredible. There's one piece that I did forget is that when they gave me the epidural, it slowed down my labor. So things sort of stalled. And so they had to give me a little bit of Pitocin, but again, my doctor who I adore the ground that she walks on was knew how conservative I wanted to be with intervention or anything. And so she was like, I'm going to give you a tiny bit of Pitocin to just get things moving. And because she knew I didn't want to have a C-section, she didn't want it to get to that point um, because I was GPS positive and my water had, you know, broke. So that helped things move along, but she was very conservative about that. Um, hi, Luna Tuna. <sighs> Hello, Luna. Oh, look at her. <laughs> She's grown Hi. a lot since I saw her in person. <laughs> did. She did. Oh, sweet. Luna is like, I feel like our miracle child. No. <laughs> She's defied scary moments. Let's just say. That's a very different birth story. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. yeah, with Emma, it was just sort of like everything was very serendipitous. Even we were calling Emma Poppy when she was in the womb and the, you know, even the, like the room that we had afterwards, we walked in and there was giant like painting of poppies and um, just all these different things that were happening, you know, around Emma's birth that I felt like was very serendipitous. Yeah. But I mean, so many things that we learned in your class, we also then applied to Luna because you forget, you know, even a year later, you forget. And so I opened up that binder. I looked at all the links that you had sent. Remember you sent like all the links to your like course and articles. Too and many. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. Um, well, and before we... Before we move on to Luna's yeah. birth, I just wanted to ask Sam, I know you had to duck out a couple times to attend to the little ones, but did you want to share anything about your experience in the first labor? Well, I mean, we talked about, you know, sort of coaching through those contractions and stuff. That was the other interesting thing that I'd say about that is that like, D was like, I want the epidural. I, I want the epidural. I want the epidural. And we were like, no, you're good. Like we kept like, like we were just, you can do one more. And like I said, when she would get to the other side of it, it was like, she wasn't yelling it anymore, but the nursing staff, it was funny because the nursing staff kept like looking at, it's really, she's, it's her decision. Right. But it's like, we're also sort of being like, no, she's okay. And it just started to get a little bit awkward where it was just like, who's, who's trying to like call the shots here. You know? Yeah. Oh Cause she'd be God. like, I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. I'm like, no, she doesn't. She's good. She's good. She's good. <laughs> 
because really after the first like two contractions, once my water broke, I was like, Oh no, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm like, no, no way. Cannot be done. Cannot be done. And this is important because it all lends itself to Luna's story, which we'll get to, but do you want to talk about the like actual delivery part? I told her about the mirror. Oh yeah. I mean, I just was like, I went into it thinking, I can't, I don't deal well with like blood I know in my life. So I, I was like worried that I was going to pass out. It's happened to me in the past where like just little things um, dealing with blood have caused me to have reactions that I totally wasn't prepared for. So I was a little bit nervous about that. And I just like, it was completely opposite. I was so in it. it. My adrenaline was so high that I was just like, I actually felt sad after everything, after the baby. It was like this strange feeling of like, you're obviously so stoked that you have a a new baby and everything. But I was like, oh, but we're a team and we were having a baby. Like, what's the deal? Let's have another baby. Yeah, yeah. We were sad when it was over. It really, like, I, I shocked myself with just how... It did none of the visual stuff affected me at all, and I just was like so all about the process yeah. and like just so into like seeing you do that. I don't know, it was just incredible. It was so incredible. Yeah. Both births, obviously, and like I, I don't know, I don't know. I it helped so much to have a doula that was huge, yeah. and like she was there for so long that like ha- having it's so good to have someone to like tag team with, but she actually was like desperate for me to get there because she needed to sleep. You know? <laughs> I so, like, for almost she labored for so hours, long. That, like maybe I, more like she was taking naps like after I got there and it wasn't like, you know, like that, it was great because she would take nap for a few hours. And then after, you know, 12 hours later, Dee's like sleeping. Cause she got the epidural and it just like knocked her out for a while. Then I took a nap and like to have two people there who were like, always sort of on it and know what's going on. Well, I mean, she knew what was going on. I, <laughs> I was another participant. But, <laughs> uh, but just to have like that extra knowledge, like I, I mean, obviously we could do it without her, I think, you know, but like it would have been a very different experience. Totally. A very, very different totally. experience. Because so, even when my blood pressure, you know, monitor was going off, she would just go, burp, 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 shut it off and take it, take off my blood pressure. I mean, my cough all the time. She would just take it off. And she was also she, a nurse. So yeah. she, she used to be yeah. a nurse. So did you already say yeah. that? Yeah. So. so she could talk the talk. And then they were grateful for her too, because then they wouldn't come in as often and they kind of knew she was taking care of me. So they sort of back, the nurses sort of backed off a little bit. And um, it was, it was a great situation all around and going back to like the mirror and seeing Emma's head come out. I'm so grateful for that moment because I will never, ever, ever forget it. And, you know, this idea that we birth children is so impossible sometimes to fathom. And had I not had that moment to see that actually happening, it's just like, it still just remains this elusive thing that happened to me. And, And that sort of makes it real for me to remember that moment where her head came out of my body, you know? And I just, I'm really grateful for that moment. <laughs> All right. So we'll stop there for today and we'll continue on with Dee's and Sam's second daughter's birth story in next week's episode. After part two, I'll teach on a couple of things that came up in this birth. Here's your sneak peek of what Dee and Sam will share next week. I remember a friend of mine texting and saying, 
you know that tonight is the blue harvest moon. It's the full blue harvest moon tonight. And we had already picked out Luna's name, you know, Luna means moon. And so we just felt very like overwhelmed. With I was emotion. like on another level spiritually when I heard that. I was like, this is it. Yes. And so we were like, oh my God, we're having our little moon baby on a rare blue harvest moon. And we just sort of knew like things were going to be okay. I don't know. It just became like this like baseline for how the next like 12 hours went. Thanks for listening to the Birth Matters podcast. And remember to just take it one contraction at a time. Be well. 